Hello everyone and welcome to the Let's Talk Revenue Marketing Podcast, brought to you by the Revenue Marketing Alliance. In today's episode, our podcast host Eve Chen is joined by brand marketer Nicole Papautis to discuss branding in the era of revenue marketing. Welcome to Let's Talk Revenue Marketing. I'm your host, Eve Chen. Today, uh, uh, we'll have a really interesting topic and uh, uh, we serve revenue marketers and uh, uh, we tend to be very analytic and uh, uh, build our very methodical approach uh, uh, in terms of uh, getting our marketing messaging and as well as, you know, capture, um, attract uh, your potential personas into the buyer's journeys and uh, um, there's rigorous, uh, um, I guess, you know, KPI at the different phases that we follow. Um, and in the B2B context, you know, we, um, many of us know about like ABM probably is, you know, one of the very strong programs that actually uh, goes through that entire process um, for, uh, as, as a demonstration of uh, B2B revenue marketing uh, program. Um, however, that um, there has been um, a lot of talk about like, uh, you know, the brand piece, you know, in terms of like uh, um, really strong brands out there in the marketplace that, you know, we know that uh, um, it has a lot of impact in terms of revenue results. So on that particular topic, I think it's really important that uh, revenue marketers uh, do understand that how the brand equity, brand value has come to play. Um, in terms of, you know, helping our marketing practice, you know, um, to optimize our revenue results. So today, uh, I really want to dive into um, this particular topic. Uh, as we know that the branding, marketing, and av- advertising are very different disciplines, but they're really closely entwined. And uh, um, they're really uh, important factors, you know, in terms of uh, helping um, the organization transform and then bring value out to the marketplace. Uh, and, you know, in a way, obviously, you know, has a major impact on the revenue growth. So um, there is, so, um, in my research, you know, interesting enough, that, you know, I can only find a uh, research dated back in um, 2014, which is uh, a study done by a McKinsey uh, company. The report uh, re- revealed that uh, top rank brands, they do outperform in the world marketplace uh, um, as measured by return to shareholders. And those top brands, you know, um, based on a study, return to the shareholders uh, uh, more than uh, actually 74% than those brands that they're not as strong. And there are other uh, benefits that, uh, um, you know, for these uh, high-performing brands, they can help companies to achieve a lot of benefits, such as overcoming commoditization, um, they can, you know, basically demand a higher premium price and um, shorten their life, uh, the sales cycle, as well as increase the sales volume. So, um, yeah, today we are very, very uh, honored to um, invite one of the top brand marketers and in the world. And um, I'd like to uh, introduce Nicole, Nicole's uh, hypothesis, and she is a strategic marketer with 18 years of experience across healthcare finance and retail. She's also a ward judge and also the CMO 50 alumni. Um, Nicole has recently uh, um, uh, been leading um, the marketing as well as brand practices at Janaya, where she was responsible for the strategic direction of marketing for the fertility group. And she led the multi-awards uh, winning brand um, work where babies come from, that campaign. 
Nicole is now sharing her experience and the passion for brand as a consultant across a range of industry. So um, I'd like to welcome Nicole. So welcome, Nicole. Thank you so much to come on the podcast uh, show today. Um, so thank you so much uh, um, for coming here. Uh, would you be able to give us a little bit of backgrounds and further to my introduction? Yeah. Thanks for having me, Abe. Um, really honored to be a guest on your podcast today. Um, and I just really love how you're bringing brand into the conversation when it comes to revenue and growth. I think it can be a bit of a dirty word around the corridors um, because it can be quite intangible. And uh, we all know businesses like to have a bit more um, data backing up every decision they're making. So um, hopefully I can help change some of that perception with your listeners today. So thank you so much, Nicola, for that introduction. And uh, yeah, like I said, you know, I really want to explore that how branding in the era of uh, um, revenue marketing and digital transformation has evolved. So um, I'd like to actually, you know, uh, bring the, always bring conversation to a bit of a basic point so that, you know, um, our listener understand that, you know, um, the, the context we're talking about and we're on the same page when we talk about certain terminology. So um, I'd like to start out with, you know, asking, a, you know, very basic questions, you know, just in your mind and in your experience, well, what do you consider branding really is? And how, from your yeah. point of view, that differ from, say, marketing and advertising? And specifically also yeah. revenue marketing. Look, branding really is your organization's unique identity and positioning. So how it is positioned within the market. And it's shaped around your target market insights. So it really sets the groundwork and more importantly, the boundaries for everything that follows in marketing, sales, and also across the wider business, as well as, you know, customer experience and product and all of those amazing parts of your business. Um, having a distinctive brand in market is really what all businesses strive for. Of course, it's important to know to ensure things like your logo, imagery, color palette, font, etc. They're all meeting the brief for what your business is trying to achieve. But it also really leads beyond that um, in that more intangible piece. When it comes to marketing and advertising, they're really your next level, um, and they're all about how you're going to attract and retain those customers that your brand is designed around, and that of course can be in either organic or paid form. Um, revenue marketing and sales for that matter, really sort of sit in this area too, because they're focused on the tactics. So it's sort of the strategy okay. versus the tactics there. Mm -hmm. I, I think though, at the end of the day, everything needs to be working together, uh, to deliver a cohesive brand experience. Yeah. Um, and you know, silos can be your worst enemy. I know you talk about, um, sales and marketing alignment and how important that is. Um, and I definitely advocate for all marketers to really get a good understanding of how brand fits into the equation for their business and business in general, right. because really done well, it's the secret sauce to why people will pay a premium for your product or service. So it's definitely worth investing some time and energy in. Yeah, right. No, that, that definitely. So, um. In my head, when I think about like a brandings, you know, like if we talk about like a software industry traditionally, uh, traditionally, um, you think about Coca-Cola, for example, right? And uh, so, you know, because some of the brands really dominate certain industry and almost get to the point that, you know, back in the days uh, uh, when I was in the document industry, 
um, people call it Xerox. You know, basically Xerox becomes you know just the brand for printer. And uh, mm-hmm. um, so, you know, I want to dive a little bit into you know your experience uh, um, as a brand marketer. Um, can can you give us some of the examples, you know, um, of the um, strong brands that you've encountered that really have outperformed? You know, like uh, the McKinsey study was saying that you know really can deliver that uh, um, um, the shareholder values, and you know, by far that other the other brands. Um, you know, like just some of the examples, and a lot, you know, uh, just get your opinions. You know, how some of these, you know strong brands was able to achieve that yeah i think given i just touched on the price piece i think it's pretty hard to go past apple and i don't want to be too cliche about all of this but um i i really think they're a great example of how you know they couldn't demand that price premium uh without a really strong brand and loyal follower base right Yes, it's down to their product quality and experience that, you know, people have with their products, but that all falls out of the brand strategy and it's about being really intentional about that. Uh, that's not just happening uh, because, you know, it just happened. It, it, it was a very intentional decision as a brand to have that product quality and that experience, um, you know, anyone that's used an Apple product um, will attest to the fact that it's very intuitive, the the um, user experience is extremely high and very easy. So that all falls out of the brand strategy, really, uh, all those decisions. And the consistency around that is what enables that that strong brand presence and, and that experience in the long run. Right. Gosh, you know, I, I can't agree more. Yeah, Apple certainly is, you know, from the time that you touch that box, and you, you really have, you know, experience that premium um, kind of, uh, you know, you, you have that, you know, it's giving you the sense of a premium uh, product. And um, I don't know how, you know, that uh, I'm sure it's in human psychology, right? And uh, when you see that, you know, um, the packaging even itself and also um, the look and feel of the actual brand itself is certainly, you know, is speaking to me. This is another another product that you know is gonna fail you basically yeah. Uh, yeah so you know and I want to dive you a little bit into earlier you're saying that product quality is it's important um so you know um brand is built out you know like you said intentionally by brand marketers and uh love you know to hear some of the um examples and you know how you were able to achieve you know for example um your campaign with where babies come from. Um, you know, to be able to establish a Janaya as a brand to achieve the brand value trying to portray and to articulate to your target audience, right? But then, you know, um, the second question from that, I really like to kind of um, get a bit more in, uh, insight from you is how much of the quality of the product and services then when com- customers, you know, they experience that has an impact on the brand itself. And um, recent experience I will mention is, you know, um, with Google, for example, right? And uh, in my head, I always think that uh, Google is, uh, um, when I think about search, uh, I think about Google. Mm-hmm. And uh, recently launching in terms of the AI product, um, it, it, I gotta admit that, you know, it actually uh, had a bit of a negative impact, you know, in terms of in my head. <laughs> 
terms of you know their brand, you know, because um, I always thought that you know, te uh, technologically speaking, Google is a premium brand, and uh, um, because you know um, what happened with uh, ChatGPT, the Microsoft, you know, uh, investment, and then they launched the the product into marketplace. And um, I think it was something like within a month, they collected the millions, over 100 million um, contact data to try out the chat GPT, right? So Google launched that product and then, you know, um, and it was a very positive experience, obviously. And um, yeah. me as a just a user, and that actually um, has a quite of an impact on me, um, perceiving them as the leader in the search space almost. So I'd like you to, you know, kind of share your experience that, you know, this is kind of like a, uh, almost like a hand in hand, right? So the, um, the brand itself, once it's established, you know, continuously need to set up credibility. And then um, at the same time now, when the product outside, uh, how that impact can impact the brand value as well. Yeah. Look, I'm not going to sort of sit here and, and um, criticize Google. They're an amazing organization. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, I mean, obviously they're a far, very fast paced, uh, well, what looks like from the outside, fast paced organization, being a tech company, highly successful. Um, I think, I, know, I mean, I know they do quite a bit of beta work. Um, and I mean, sometimes it can come down to the way that it is presented to the market. Right. So if, if that was presented to the market as a beta, as a, as a test, it wasn't sort of coming out to the market as something that was, you know, fully polished and, and ready to go, you may have a different Im impression of that. So it's all about, um, perception of that experience. Right. Uh, your, your expectations would have been lower as, as an example. So I think what's really important for brand marketers though is to be extremely well connected in with the business. Um, I know that you know from my from my experience uh, at my previous role at Janaya, when we were doing our brand work, um, and it was such a big shift from what we had uh, brought to market previously, and out way outside of category norms of what people would expect. The buy-in from the business really early on was really important because you needed to know that it was going to be a consistent delivery across every touch point. Okay. So that meant certain decisions that were made uh, around experience or um, a new product or service coming to, to market needed to fit that mold of what we were now presenting ourselves to the market as and how we were positioned. So right. I think it it was a really good example of how we understood where the market was, who right. we were exactly targeting, um, and then delivering that distinctive brand and working cross-functionally to get business buy-in and make sure that, that that consistent brand experience was being built. And that's not something that happens overnight. Um, it's something that you do need to continue to work on. And there needs to be checkpoints and making sure that, um, you know, sort of checking back with that, with that brand, what that position is. Um, but I, but from our perspective, uh, we had a great experience with doing that because our brand awareness and preference increased above our competitors. And that's really what you want to see in the market. 
And then the business actually uh, grew ahead of the market. So we were taking market share because um, the market is relatively flat growth. You know, it's not a high growth industry. So you needed to, if you were growing, you were taking share. Uh, and of course, that was that was the aim. So I think there's plenty of examples of where that's being done well. And, you, you know, you really need to get in behind the scenes in the business to understand how that is being delivered behind the scenes uh, because I think that can often be one of the more important parts about how everything is being aligned inside um, because it can easily fall apart on the outside if that's not done well. Right, right. Um, when you talk about the touch points, could you elaborate a little bit more, you know, just give us, a, you know, a couple of examples, you know, what those checkpoints might be like, might look like? Yeah, in terms of customer customer touch points, so how people were experiencing the brand. Um, so you mentioned that you know earlier the, the brand experience itself. You know, um, you do need to you know uh, it, it takes a time right to kind of develop those you know brand value. So there needs to be some checkpoints mm-hmm. there um, to to really see that how you how you pair with other uh, other comp- uh, competitors, right? So. Uh, love to understand a little bit more um, what those checkpoints that you you're referring to. Yeah, so um, well, the checkpoints I was referring to in in that that answer was actually in relation to the internal alignment. Okay. So it's not just about um, sort of that set and forget with the brand. There needs to be a continuous discussion. Uh, everyone is a brand champion. Uh, you need to have the, those uh, relationships all across the business. Um, and I always recommend having a couple of really strong advocates within each function of the business but, uh, because they're going to be the ones that are having those conversations within their teams. Uh, so as a, as a brand marketer, as the team that you're managing, making sure that they're really well networked across the business to be able to seek out some of those issues that might be coming up if there's some detractors within the business around the brand position or or the, the way that the the brand is being perceived in that particular area um, with a customer. Right. Um, and so that just helps you to keep your finger on the pulse. So, sorry, that was what I was referring to, the internal alignment. Got you. Right, right, right. So, yeah, thank you for that elaborations. And, um, and, and, I also saw that, you know, uh, in my experience, uh, I'm more on the analytical side in my previous careers and um, I do work with uh, brand marketers and there are definitely um, times that, you know, um, when we had the challenges, whether it's true, um, you know, uh, some mistakes in the, uh, happened, you know, in our customer engagement, whether it's just support or from product experience and um, the brand marketers, you know, um, they become actually uh, my best friend, to be honest. And they somehow, you know, um, through their work, you know, they can come in and actually reposition. And uh, um, the experience I had, you know, normally is a pretty authentic communication. And um, a lot of people make mistakes, but it's not about the mistake you made. It's how do you actually uh, recover from that those arrows? So I'd uh, love to, you know, get uh, a little bit insight from you that, you know, uh, if there's any experience you had that, you know, Bram has come to play to be able to, you know, almost in a defensive mode, right? When um, there is a crisis situation, how brand marketers was able to bring to the table 
and help um, our company to recover from that? Look, within the team that I had, um, I had corporate comms that sat within my remit. Uh, so I suppose I was in a, quite a beneficial position in that way because there was there was absolute alignment with what was happening on the corporate comms PR um, and that reputational management. Right. Also, I think because I was in a healthcare organisation, there is definitely a heightened sense of yeah focus on um, reputation management. Brand brand marketers, whether they're responsible for the corporate comps function uh, and that PR aspect of of the marketing function and the business, whether they're responsible for that or not. Uh, they absolutely need to be at the table because they uh, they are the ones that actually have the customer insights. So right. depending on what the situation might be, uh, they it, it, if it's if it's a reputation based issue, uh, so a bad experience or something worse, like uh, you know the uh, data breaches and and things like that that have happened uh, more recently in Australia. Um, they're going to be the ones that actually have the insights into the customer and their target market. So they're going to be able to bring to the table as part of the brief what sort of what sort of um, elements they might need to touch on, uh, in, obviously, uh, to support the factual information that you need to get out at the time. So they do bring an element of... Uh, I don't want to say softness. It's sort of a humanity um, to to the situation, which I think can often be quite useful. Got you, right? Got you. So, be um, brand marketers should be at the tables in terms, you know, of all all the way from strategy planning and then the tactical deployment. So they, they um, I'm I'm basically taking away is you know really work hand in hand with the marketing folks. And um, to you know ensure that you know the brand uh, messages voice is always consistent, and then you know uh, so yes. brand marketers can really jump in you know to um, to, to using the marketing communication um, uh, tactic to be able to um, recover you know in the case you know when there is you know uh, negative reputation being created, is that is that is that correct? Yeah. Okay, fantastic. Um, yeah, so, um, uh, other than that, you know, like, uh, um, so what, obviously, you know, uh, most of our listeners are revenue marketers and, um, and revenue marketing is really a holistic goal oriented approach to sales and marketing. Um, so what would you recommend that, you know, uh, revenue marketers, you know, uh, how, how they should work with brand marketing marketers so they can deliver the, the needed business, um, needs. So um, essentially to drive the revenue growth um, profitably. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. Yeah. I think following on from what we just talked about then, I think I really believe one of the biggest things that brand marketers bring to the table is customer and market insights. Okay. Um, and that's not to say that revenue marketers don't have their finger on the pulse. It's just that they're a bit more focused at a granular level as they should be. Um, but brand marketers can potentially bring a new perspective to their campaigns. Um, and similarly, revenue marketers can keep brand marketers grounded in what's happening in the real time 
when it comes to that product and service engagement. So I think blending the two really is the sweet spot um, because I think it will really, and I've seen it happen, has uh, ensured a more consistent approach to that product and service acquisition as well as retention. So I think, uh, you know, opening that dialogue between the two around the long and short term tactics um, definitely uh, benefit the organisation. Um, and I think, you know, it's, it sounds simple, but just sharing things like KPIs, you know, being being really open about and transparent about what each of each of those players are responsible for within the business um, and potentially producing a unified funnel dashboard that can help articulate to the business how everything works together because, you know, there's no silver bullet, as we know. Um, And it's a really integrated effort, Uh, but also giving credit where credit's due, of course, too. Yeah, no, I really like what you said, you know, like bringing that unified approach, you know, along the funnel. in my, you know, as a revenue marketer, you know, uh, I've done tons of buyers' journeys. I was on mapping with touch points, and um, mm-hmm. I, I personally haven't thought about like you know mapping actual brand activity um, as a standalone into that buyer journey. Um, yeah, ha- have you seen that in the in your you know careers? And um, I, I don't know whether you know. I- I'm sure that you know some parts of the the brand. Um, you know, uh, in terms of the brand value, how to articulate who we stand for as a brand, right? That gets um, communicated. But I'm curious, you know, like along this buyer journey is that, you know, do you see a necessity almost like to map out um, distinctive, distinctively the brand activity, how that will actually move your consumer along that buyer journey? And then when I say that buyer's journeys, I don't stop at acquisition. And I personally yeah. believe that the buyer's journey is, uh, you know, now is more of a figure of a infinity loop. And um, so that customer marketing component, um, it drives your acquisition effort as well. So lots of yeah, to hear a little bit of uh, thoughts on that from you. Yeah. Uh, look, I'm sure um, individual businesses have um, varying degrees of how their brand work sort of integrates. Uh, and I know it, in my previous roles, um, that integrated marketing effort really was the center of of all of the strategies that we had put in place. Uh, because absolutely agree with you, it's this infinite loop, and I think it also depends on product versus service. Okay. Uh, service may be a bit more brand inclined uh, than product sometimes, uh, because in service you are selling the intangible. Uh, so, you know, you're selling the experience before an experience has been had. Right. So the brand communication probably is a little bit more top of mind. Um, but that's not to say that all the other four P's don't come into the mix. <laughs> of course they do. Um, but that, and that's just a very, you know, wide generalization and not all services would be like that. Not all brand, all products would be like that. Um, but I think there's absolutely a, a need to focus on that more. And there's, and there's definitely been more conversation around brand more right. recently. And you often find that when there's a lot of, um, you know, focus on competition and uh, people needing to differentiate and be distinctive in the market. And that's that's great. I love hearing that because, 
you know, all businesses should be trying to uh, be distinctive in the market and, and take that, um, that and get that mental availability up front, fill the top of their funnel and, you know, keep, keep the business a prime, prime the uh, market for yep. all of the fantastic efforts that marketing and sales then put into, into the market. So, so yeah, sorry, that was a long way around. Right. Yeah. I think. No, no, you're definitely more focused. <laughs> You still see that brand is more of a top of funnel activities only. And um, do you see any place for it, the, you know, the, the later stage of the funnels and how, um, you know, how, how would they incorporate into those activities? If so. Yeah. Oh, look, yeah. Look, I think um, it plays a part across a whole range of, of different things, whether that's from acquisition, retention, experience, uh, product development, um, everything that the business is doing really. Uh, but if we're thinking about media spend and if we if we want to look at how you break up your media spend to build the top of your funnel, um, absolutely there is there is a difference between that sort of brand and performance aspect. Right. Um, but brand, like you were pointing out before, absolutely needs to be considered right across every touch point. Um, because that's kind of what the the business is living and breathing. So every at every point, uh, the way your business is experienced by someone or um, the product they receive or the service they encounter needs to be grounded in your brand strategy uh, because that's the only way you're going to get consistency across that that whole that whole experience with your brand and and business. Right, right. No, that's that's a um, certainly. I I totally agree what you're saying, and um, but I just personally never seen that you know the brand elements being kind of um, really as a uh, as a focus areas in that buyer's journeys. You know, all the way through to retention and advocacy um, piece. Uh-huh. So um, yeah, that'll be. A, I think that'll be an interesting exercise <laughs> to. Yeah. to- now look at how you know the entire brand voice and brand value along the the, the um buyer's journey in its entirety. So um yeah, maybe, maybe something that you know you and I can tackle. <laughs> Why not? Why not? <laughs> I would love to. That's great. So so another thing is oh well, I'm gonna do a reversal. So you know um I know like earlier you're saying that because it's intangible P. So um you know. With the brand management and uh, when time is tough, you know, um, really what I want to try and establish that, you know, that that is something that it shouldn't actually, our uh, business shouldn't really uh, see that as less important. So um, I would I w- like to, you know, understand, you know, from your um, viewpoint that, you know, for brand marketers, uh, what do you see um, as some of the great challenge, um, um, you know, in the era of revenue marketing, which, you know, is um, a lot more uh, business basically uh, demanding more accountabilities and, you know, we need to uh, demonstrate measurable outcomes, you know, every step of the way. So, um, you know, what are some of the top challenges and uh, how would you, what would you recommend brand marketers evolve, adapt, and um, so that, you know, uh, the business uh, folks understand that the, the value of brand management? Yeah. Look, I think the the biggest challenge or or threat 
um, is uh, probably the most obvious one. It really is that short-termism and that narrow focus on pure ROI um, that a lot of businesses are heading into. And, and look, they've been there for a while. Uh, but obviously, you know, as we head into a bit of a challenging economy, there is a little bit of uncertainty. There's always a trend towards cutting brand budgets. Right. Um, and look, you don't have to look too far to find published articles that support maintaining marketing spend in a recession will result in a stronger brand and business on the other side. And one of the biggest reasons for this is around share of voice uh-huh. um, in markets. So when your competitors drop out of the market, it creates this lovely environment of extra share of voice for you. And right. a brand whose share of voice is greater is greater than its share of market is right. more likely to gain market share. So it's it's well worth bringing that to the discussion with a CFO or your finance team um, who you might be battling with at the moment. <laughs> um, yeah. I think the other Achilles... The other Achilles heel, I think, for brand, is brand marketers who have limited presence and influence across the business, and they really lack the skills to drive change. Um, a really well-respected marketer will have a lot of say at the table. And I think, you know, when it comes to demonstrating value to the organisation, a lot of it is about time, which unfortunately isn't on many marketers' sides. Uh, the tenure is quite low. Um, so setting the agenda on the timing of the results is really important from the outset. So going back to what I was saying earlier about buy-in from the business, okay, backing everything up with data, as much data as you can, of course, but being clear on when you can expect the incremental benefits that will go some way to managing the expectations. Um, but the reality is support or the lack of from the top uh, will always play a big role. So if you're looking at a role or you're considering where you are at the moment, right. that's one of your big issues. It, it is a bit of a red flag because it is a very hard ship to turn around when you don't have uh, that support from the top and, and, a, and a belief in what brand can bring for the business. Right, right. No, those those are fantastic advice um, from for brand marketers and um, yeah. Um, we've been talking quite a bit now, and um, really that uh, um, you on the you know front end, you know, understanding the um the latest you know brand management, I guess trends and you know um the new tech techniques come out. Um, I always ask the same questions for every every guest on the shows and. Um, so I'd like to understand that from your view that, you know, if you could predict the future, what do you guess at the next big thing in terms of brand marketing, brand management to help deliver the business growth? Yeah, big question. <laughs> no, no, I'd, I'd be interested to hear what ChatGPT has to say about this one. Uh, we are in the big one, I guess. <laughs> No, I think in in all seriousness, uh, this one's pretty tough to predict, uh, like everything. But but looking at what's currently happening with personalization, AI, um, 
it's really hard to imagine that these areas aren't going to deliver some big wins when they're utilised and scaled well and appropriately for different brands. I mean, I know there's a few brands out there already uh, claiming to be, you know, using them for content development and and all that type of stuff. So I think that um, it will be interesting to see how that all plays out with the Privacy Act changes here in Australia and um, I'm sure there's some other some other things like that happening around the world that, you know, targeting and, and personalization may or may not become more tricky um, under some of those proposed changes. But yeah, I, I think the other thing is it really feels like brand experiences are going to be tested um, more than ever because businesses will really need to try and grasp what they can legitimately keep hold of as a brand experience and, and what needs to be handed over or is handed over to the customer because it's it's what the customer wants and expects. Right. So I think it's a super exciting time and obviously everyone's watching really closely um, with some of the early adopters and I'm actually hoping to see some great examples of it in the upcoming awards programs I'm judging this year. So hopefully there's a few in there that have been early adopters and, and shown some great, you know, great examples of it. Oh, wow. That's great. Well, when is the, the awards are coming? Well, there's there's a few throughout the year. Uh, I've got the 30 under 30 coming up um, at the moment, actually. We're just shortlisting at the moment. Uh, and then the ComsCon one for Umbrella coming up a bit later. So, yeah, there'll be a few this year. So exciting. That is so awesome. Well, thank you so much, Nicole. You have shared with us uh, so many um of your experience and insights and uh, um, uh, great advice, you know, given to both our revenue marketers as well as brand, brand uh, marketing managers. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much to come on the shows. And, uh, um, yeah, um, how do people find you, you know, if uh, um, they have more questions on this area? Yeah, no, happy to connect on LinkedIn. So, um, yeah, please reach out if you've got any questions or just, just want to connect. Absolutely happy. <laughs> That's that's really awesome. Thank you so, so much, Nicole, and um, yeah, to come on the show and spend the time with us. And hopefully, um, I'm sure that our listener will gain lots of insights from this episode. Um, so with that, thank you so much again. And uh, um, look, for our audience, thank you so much for listening, tuning in again. This is another episode of Let's Talk Revenue Marketing. And I look forward to um, catching up with all of you again very soon again. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to check out our other episodes for even more insights into the world of revenue marketing.